Welcome everyone to the Southwest Climate Podcast, which is a joint project by the Southwest Climate Change Network and the Climate Assessment for the Southwest, or CLEMIS, uh, both here at the University of Arizona. And today we have a special issue. It's an episode uh, about the history of the monsoon, which in my mind is apt timing because temperatures are escalating to about 90 degrees and it's our first real hint that summer's on the way and with it the monsoon. So today we'll talk with Dan Griffin. Uh, Dan is a soon-to-be graduate of the PhD program here at the University of Arizona at the School of Geography and Development. And we're specifically here to chat about his new peer review article just published in the Journal of Geophysical Research Letters, in which he and his co-authors were able to reconstruct the past 470 years of the monsoon uh, using tree rings. Um, so Dan, thanks for, thanks for joining me. And why don't we just kick it off? Why don't you, uh, if you can give us the broad brush, the big picture of what your research is about. Okay, great, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, Zach. So my dissertation is uh, part of a larger research project that's been going on for about the last four or five years here at the University of Arizona. And our work is the first systematic effort to study the history of monsoon precipitation using tree rings uh, across the southwestern U.S. So we have this new paper, it's one of several new papers that uh, has ju have just been published. And this work is focused on a large area of the American Southwest that includes much of Arizona, western New Mexico, and uh, the northern parts of Sonora and the northwestern part of Chihuahua. And so we have this record now for uh, a little over four and a half centuries, and it's our first look at, at what monsoon precipitation uh, has been like over that interval. So maybe just we'll step back a little bit and, and dig into the methodology. For those who don't know about tree rings and, and how you actually can parse out precipitation and, and, and monsoon and winter precipitation as well, uh, talk a little bit about the methodology there. Okay, great. So most people are probably aware that tree rings provide this really excellent record of environmental variability. And we've used tree rings uh, for 100 years now in the Southwest to look at climate history. Historically, we've looked at the width of each annual growth ring, and we can relate that to uh, uh, winter precipitation for the most part. This new work is focused on the dark colored part of each annual growth ring. We call it late wood, and this is the band that forms during the summer months, during the summer monsoon. And so by measuring specifically the width of these late wood bands, for the first time we're able to resolve what's happened uh, specifically with the summer monsoon. Okay, so because I'm more familiar with some of the reconstructions that have happened uh, in this area, but they're recording winter precipitation more, it seems, from what I've read. So can you talk about the context of, uh, of that, those sort of winter reconstructions, but placing your new reconstruction within, within that context? Like what, so more simply put, what, what does your uh, reconstruction add to the story? Sure, so uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, Historically, we've measured the, the total ring width, the width of each annual growth ring. And for people that live in the Southwest, you're probably aware that it's winter precipitation that is uh, the kind of major factor on annual water balance and annual soil moisture. And it's also winter precip that is the major factor on annual uh, tree ring formation and, and tree growth. But there's this, this dark colored latewood part, um, which uh, if we measure that specifically, we are able to resolve uh, the monsoon's influence on, uh, on soil moisture, which in, in, in some ways is subordinate compared to that of the winter. 
But it's really important, uh, as people are aware, because it, it's the monsoon that provides moisture relief during the hottest and driest time of the year. And also from the climate perspective, the monsoon regime is, is really fundamentally different from the regime that delivers snow and, and rain during the winter months. So um, all the work that's been done historically was focused on winter precipitation or, or maybe annual scale drought, but those really did not resolve the monsoon and its, its variability. Okay, so uh, that's great. So I guess <laughs> the next question is, well, what does your record say? Sure, well, um, the record says a few things. There are, are two kind of major points that, that we were uh, a little bit surprised by. Um, one thing is that we see droughts in the past, monsoon droughts in the past, that were more persistent and more severe than any monsoon droughts we've seen during the modern era. And when I say monsoon drought, I'm talking about deficits specifically in summer precipitation. So uh, turns out actually much of the instrumental period or say the 20th century uh, and then the early part of the 21st century has been characterized by um, a fair degree of regularity in monsoon precipitation, but you don't have to go too far back in the tree ring record to see there were periods of time where the monsoon was drier than average for up to two decades or a little bit longer, or some shorter periods of time where the monsoon was phenomenally dry, much drier than anything we've seen during the modern era. So, because in my mind, you know, I'm, I haven't been in the Southwest for that long, but since I've been here, there's been more sort of average to, to, to below average monsoons and there has been good monsoons. And, and that is a common feature of the, so what would you say though in, in, in the past is has there, has there been more you know, bad monsoons or more good monsoons or it's, what's the sort of variability there? Sure, so you've actually keyed on a, an important point and that's, um, that has to do with the current drought, the ongoing drought. One of the things that's really prominent in our record is we see these droughts that would last for five years, 10 years, maybe even 20 years back before we started collecting rain gauge data. And we see that it was actually dry much of the time, not just during the monsoon, but also during the winter. And so we see these occasional dual season droughts. And for the most part, those were absent during the 20th century. But actually the current ongoing drought is the first emergence really in the modern era where we've had a number of years that were dry during both seasons. And so we're in this nasty drought currently. It seems to be continuing. And it's important, I think, to note that many of the, the years during this current drought, we've had drier than average precipitation during both the winter and the summer monsoon. And that this was a, a fairly uh, common feature before instrumental records began, but it wasn't until the current episode that we started to see this. So then, okay, so in the context of these last 470 years, um, have there been periods that have stood out uh, more so than others where you get sort of a consecutive bad winters and bad summers, or what's been that kind of a pattern? Right, so there's a, like I said, you don't have to go too far back in the treating record to see some of these events. There's a period of time in the late 19th and actually going into the early 20th century. Uh, where we had really persistently dry monsoon conditions. So starting in uh, the early 1880s, the monsoon was drier than average for almost 25 straight years. There were a couple of decent years interspersed there, but uh, drier than average conditions for, for the better part of two decades. And then about halfway through that interval in the early 1890s, 
the winter goes into drought as well, and winter precipitation was lower than average. So the 1890s uh, out through about 1905 were characterized by persistent dual season drought. And it turns out that's a really interesting episode in the social and environmental history of uh, Arizona and the Southwest. The Southern Pacific Railroad arrived in the 1880s and brought massive cattle populations from uh, back east. And uh, by the early 1890s, this dual season drought prompted widespread rangeland grass failure and that led to overgrazing and ultimately death for, uh, they estimate, over half of, of, of Arizona's cattle population, which they think was numbered uh, over about 1.5 million. Mm -hmm. So that's this period of time in the late 19th and early 20th century, that's a, an example. Another period of time would have been in the, the 1660s and 1670s. We see really nasty episode of monsoon drought, uh, the most extreme that we see in the 470-year record. Uh, a number of really dry winters there too, and that's a period of time that has been linked as one factor uh, leading up to the so-called Pueblo Revolt of, of 1680. Hmm. So, I'm a little slightly confused on, uh, so the winter, um, treatings have been used to, to piece out winter precipitation, and now they're being used to piece out summer precipitation, but this piecing out of summer precipitation is relatively new, and your work is, 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 is part of that leading edge. Um, so how does the reconstructions that have just used the whole um, growth ring to, to, to put together um, wintertime precipitation, that didn't factor in the sort of late wood that you're talking about, do they, does your record provide any insight into whether or not they're overestimating or underestimating by not sort of separating out the monsoon or? Um... Well, I'm not sure how to exact, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but one thing that I think is, is new and relevant is that these droughts that we've known about for a long time from the tree ring record uh, previously were thought to be predominantly winter season droughts. And so for the first time now, we see that the monsoon and its failure is also implicated in these okay. droughts. And I think that it may be uh, one clue as to why do droughts persist in the Southwest? This is a big question in modern climate science. We have some ideas about what conditions prompt droughts, but what is it that causes them to go on and on? And so uh, this, this new bit of information suggests that, that the monsoon and drier conditions, drier than average conditions in the summer are something that, that's something that needs to be considered. Another thing that, uh, if you'd allow me to talk about, that surprised us a little bit um, is that we see um, over, the, over the recent, say, last 50 or 60 years, there's been a tendency for dry winters to be followed by wet monsoons, or vice versa. Right. So for the seasonal precipitation to be uh, a little bit um, in opposition. And, uh, Which has helped uh, stave away protracted drought. It, that's right. In theory, uh, uh, when you have these two seasons of precipitation, uh, if you have a dry winter or a wet monsoon, could provide a little bit of relief, actually. But when we look back over the last 470 years, we see that this actually has not been a consistent feature mm -hmm. in the climate system. And so uh, that's an important piece of the puzzle that this work is relieving. And in fact, it turns out the period from about 1950 to 2000, this tendency of, of dry winters to be followed by wet summers or vice versa, it was more pronounced than really any other period of time in the last 470 years. 
Huh. And so is there any sort of speculation on, on what caused or, or, or what may be causing the sort of dual season drought or, or the flip-flop from alternating you know, dry and wet seasons? Well, that's a really big question. That's something that we're, we're trying to work on now and starting to unpack. Um, one thing is for sure, the monsoon is a really complex climate regime. There are many factors at play in terms of do we get a wet monsoon or a dry monsoon. Some things that have been implicated, of course, are uh, conditions in the tropical Pacific Ocean, the so-called El Nino Southern Oscillation, also snowpack that persists from the preceding winter can have some influence on how soon the land surface heats up and that facilitates monsoon precipitation. But there are other things like the Madden-Julian Oscillation and uh, so-called uh, inverted troughs that come along in the easterlies and gulf surges of moisture up, up through the Gulf of California. And so. Uh, there are many things that influence the flavor of a given monsoon, and I think the takeaway at this point is that we need to try to do a better job of, of parsing those out and trying to understand how those different factors can come together. To yeah, Well, that's a good point because that we're sort of, I think you mentioned we're on sort of the northern fringes of the core monsoon. We're not in the core monsoon region. We're on the northern fringes, or are we in the core monsoon region? Well, I, we haven't talked about that, but I think it's a really important point, Zach, that the monsoon is really a Mexican phenomenon, and we have some maps that illustrate this beautifully. In, in northwestern Mexico, they actually see 70 or 80 percent of the annual precipitation during the monsoon. Right. Uh, here in the southwest, we are really on the fringes of its influence, and the further north, and especially northwest, you go... Uh, the more that influence is diminished. So here in, in Tucson, we see about uh, half and half, about half of the annual precipitation is, is during the summer. You move up to Phoenix, and on average, I think it's about 25%. Um, much of New Mexico sees a little bit more of their annual precipitation during the monsoon, but the point I want to make is that here in the southwestern U.S., we're absolutely on the fringe of the monsoon's influence, and as a result, monsoon variability is, is more dramatic. More things influence it. Indeed. So then, because we have the dual season precipitation here, does that, does that provide the unique opportunity to study the early and late woods so that if you went further south where 80% of the precipitation it comes from the monsoon, there wouldn't, there'd still be growth, there'd still be triggerings that you could measure for the monsoon there too, I guess. So, so is, that a, is that something that you guys have, have done? Well, there's, there's actually been a lot of really important work done by our colleagues in Mexico on uh, looking at early wood and late wood and trying to think more about season-specific precipitation. And so, for example, Jose Villanueva Diaz works for INIFOP, the Mexican Forest Service, and, and his work is invaluable. And one of the things that we hope to do in the uh, near future is to collaborate with him and, and his, uh, um, his, his team to try to understand the monsoon and its history back through time from a more holistic perspective. How far north can you go measuring Laywood? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, we, we do see years where the monsoon influences well up into the, the Great Basin. But uh, on average, I think uh, up into the Four Corners, we've had some success. Um, and so that's a question that we're starting to try to push. How, how far into the northern region could we go? And you guys go back 470 years, but is there hope that you can push that record back further? Well, that's an important point, actually, that uh, there, there is a, a study that was published in, in 2009 that I was a co-author on where we used the exceptionally long tree ring chronology from El Mal Pais National Monument. This thing's over 2,000 years long. And we were able to reconstruct winter precipitation, but also July precipitation. 
And so we have this 2,000 year reconstruction of July precipitation for Western New Mexico. Now, July is just one month of the monsoon. It's an important um, month, though. It's an important month, especially the it's the beginning, the onset. There are many things that uh, are influenced by monsoon onset in terms of the ecosystems, uh, wildfire, for example, dryland agriculture. And so uh, that's a really important study, I think, that was published in the Journal of Climate in 2009. Okay, so we're nearing our, our end here, but I wanted to finish with uh, just a question about um, maybe some future estimates. You mentioned in your paper, I'm going to quote a line, it says, understanding the range of monsoon variability is critical because we don't yet have a clear picture on how the monsoon will change due to human-caused climate changes. Can you, um, so, so how can knowledge of the past monsoon clear up this picture? Well, uh, not directly. I think it's an important point that, that we cannot use tree rings to project what might happen with climate in the future. But we are using tree rings to understand that the monsoon actually has a more broad range of, of natural variability than we've seen during the relatively short instrumental period. And so one of the things that we're working on now with our colleagues in atmospheric sciences is to compare the range of monsoon variability shown in the tree rings with the range of monsoon variability they see in their climate model runs. And so, so verification uh, kind of verification of model skill is, is uh, an area where there should be some potential. Well, great. Um, this is really fascinating work, Dan, and I bet you have a lot to keep yourself busy <laughs> upcoming. Uh, it seems like that at least. Um, so I want to thank you for taking your time uh, and coming here talking to us. Uh, and thanks for everybody for tuning in. Um, You'll be able to access this podcast on both uh, the Clemus website, uh, which is www.clemus, spelled C-L-I-M-A-S, .arizona.edu, as well as on the Southwest Climate Change Network, which is www.southwestclimatechange.org. And uh, we should be back in about two weeks uh, to talk about uh, the latest climate and weather conditions here in the Southwest. So hope you tune in then again. So again, thanks, Dan, for joining us. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. And while we're plugging websites, uh, if you're interested to hear more about our project, um, to read more rather, go to our website. It's monsoon.ltrr.arizona.edu. Thanks for your time. Great. Thanks, Dan.